reconciler with God. He is the one who is from where? Bethlehem. Bethlehem. When I prepared this message, I had to think about um, uh, one of Jesus' disciples uh, who said, Can anything good come from um, uh, Nazareth? Right? Um, you know, because it was looked down upon. Well, the same sense uh, could be had if you were to say to somebody, you know, he, he came from Bethlehem. What was Bethlehem? I don't know that we know a whole lot anymore about the little town of Bethlehem, archaeologically speaking, but um, all records that I have, you know, been able to um, look at over the years suggest that it was a rather small town, um, and uh, it was in the vicinity of enough of, of Jerusalem to be associated with Jerusalem. But as a town, it was uh, not very impressive. Um, but he is the one who came from there, and he is Israel's peace. He is our peace. Israel needed peace. It was surrounded by the nations. And um, that challenge, of course, is for the church still today as well. The church today is surrounded by nations. Uh, the context here is, is, is animosity. Uh, Micah is, is, is duly aware of the fact that Israel has all these nations all around them. And uh, they're numerically, I'm sure, outnumbered and, um, and outpowered, if you will, if they were to all come together and try to destroy Israel. There's a real sense in which that is still true today in the political sense of the state of Israel surrounded by those, many of whom anyway, who are not particularly enamored with the existence of the state of Israel. But it is an insight into what has always been the condition of God's people in this world. We are God's unique, chosen, special, prized people, but we are surrounded by a world that is, that is not in favor of us in favor of his ancient people. And so when God takes his people out of Egypt and he brings them into their promised land, and the Lord gives all these warnings that they are to have um, this, this holiness about them. Uh, they will be tempted to make connections and covenants and alliances with the uncircumcised nations around them, but make sure that you don't have your sons and daughters intermarry with the pagans, right? And so there's this real challenge. How do you survive as God's holy people in a world that's unholy? Again, I think immediately of the church today. What has been God's design? God's design has not been to give us a chosen promised land in this world where we can be comfortably by ourselves and then just, you know, not worry too much about the nations. Just like it was in the Old Testament, Israel was still to be a blessing to the nations. But maintaining, as we say sometimes, difficult word, the antithesis. We are to maintain the antithesis as God's holy people. We are a people unto ourselves, holy in God's sight, set apart, dedicated for the glory of God, and we have spiritually nothing in common, nothing in common, except our humanity, but we have nothing in common spiritually with those who are not the worshipers of God. That was in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament. 
We are, by God's design, placed inside the nations. They're all around us. And I think we have recognized in later years and decades that more and more, even in the Western world, we are not all that welcome anymore. It was a time in which we were sort of at the center of the stage of culture and society. You had the blue laws, you had the Sunday laws. Uh, you were basically assured that you know, the majority on your city council or uh, in the government uh, you know, would have a, at least an appreciation, a basic appreciation for Christian Judeo-Christian principles of morality. That is all very different today. We are on the fringes. But that's in God's providence still okay in a way. It's not as if God has allowed something to happen that he disagrees with. We are in God's hand and we are going to be in this situation like Israel was when it was surrounded by the enemies that were always after them. And how do we maintain our place? My friends, there's hope for Israel, there's hope for today. But it's not by secluding ourselves. It's not by, as I have seen some of my friends say, well, I'm going to leave this state and go to that state because things are better there. They may well be better there. It's up to each individual to do these types of decisions. I'm not arguing about that. But I'm just warning us about the fact that we cannot be um, imagining things that aren't real for the sake of our witness in the world. We are in the world, not of the world. That's the antithesis that I talked about. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Jesus' kingdom is not of this world, but he's establishing his kingdom in this world through you. We are the beachheads, you know, of the kingdom that is to come eternally. And so the challenge continues, but we have hope. Israel was given hope of the future ruler. We have hope because the future ruler has come, and he is coming again. And so, secondly, this message of Micah's is a message of doom to the nations. Um, but it is presented in this, I think, very unique way. Because the passage in verse 7 <coughs> is talking about doom. So I have to go back, page back, to uh, the text in um, the Old Testament. Verse 7, the heading there says, A remnant shall be delivered. Then the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many peoples, <clears throat> like dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass, which delay not for a man, nor wait for the children of man. And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the nations, in the midst of many peoples. So, um, as I look at these two verses, you see the order there. Uh, it starts with the remnant being among the nations, then it mentions the dew, and then it follows that up again with the remnant being among the nations. So here you have a clue. Reader, take note what it says in the middle of that. And in the middle of that sandwich is, like the dew from the Lord, like the showers on the grass, which delay not for a man, nor wait for the children of man. It's a little cryptic in a way, if you uh, will. Um, when we hear about do, I think, first of all, we have a very positive uh, sense of that, right? Um, when it's a hot summer day, 
uh, things cool down at night, and cooling down at night means that uh, that moisture develops. Don't you know? I'm not a scientist here, but you know, there's moisture in the air, and so when you come morning, you look at your grass in the middle of the summertime, but in the morning, early morning hours, there's dew, beautiful thing. God, in His wonderful grace and by design, has uh, seen fit to let that be part of the way in which uh, His His world in His fallenness uh, uh, is preserved and regenerated. So the dew is good for the grass um, to revive it and to give it strength. But the interesting thing is that this this word of, of positive note is in the middle of what Micah is presenting as God's judgments on both the nations and that word that he has for his own people as well in verses 10 to 15. Because those are addressed to Israel, that he will bring the day when he will uh, judge them in such a way that all their cities will be cut off and their images will be removed, etc. So what about that do? Well, when I try to apply it to the church age that we live in, I would still say, I would still say that God has placed us in the midst of the nations to be that breath of fresh air. But will the nations recognize that? Will they appreciate you for that? Probably not. Because that seems to be the majority response to our presence in this world today. So there is the do that we represent. It's not about us, that we are so great that we have the, you know, the presence to regenerate things or people. But the world doesn't recognize it. And so it says here in verse 7, which delay not for a man, nor wait for the children of man. It's, it comes, it comes kind of unnoticed that we are here in this world as the do. But the nations will not take note of it. Only the remnant will appreciate God's chosen people, the Israel of today, shall we say. God's people today are the dew that brings the refreshing influence, the preservative effect, as Jesus would say in his teachings, that you are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. My final thought is, the last point, what the Savior's birth, how that determines the church's mission today. And the church's mission today um, <clears throat> is, of course, to represent the Lord Jesus as the ruler, the coming ruler, as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, uh, who's... Uh, whose birth has come, but whose second coming is now uh, to be awaited as well. Um, we live in this world that is not waiting for him. We live in a world that is looking for its own solution maker, who's uh, the only, its own deliverer, its own ruler. Um, but it needs, as I said before, a ruler who is from of old, who has no beginning or end, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. He is the one. But you're not, you and I have a witness. Israel had a witness in its time. The church has its witness 
today. Go and make disciples of all nations. That is what the ruler has uh, brought about, a message and a mission for us to, uh, to accomplish and engage in. No, we cannot escape to places where we think we are safe and better and so forth. Um, we are to be in the world, but not of the world. We have a witness. How will the world know about the coming Savior, the coming King of Kings, who is the judge of the nations, unless we are somewhere in their vicinity? And God will be the one who gives us the strength and the persevering grace to preserve our faith, because that is what we as Reformed Christians believe. And we're coming to the end of that section of the entire Canons of Dort uh, today, where we are ending that, that, that glorious topic of the perseverance of the saints. We shall persevere, no matter where we live, whether we live in China or North Korea or here. We, as the elect of God, the chosen of God, we are in the Father's hand, and nothing can separate us from that love of His for us in Christ Jesus. So let us be among the nations, not becoming like them. And that's the challenge. How much has the church become like the world today? How much worldly philosophy and principles <coughs> of practice are uh, finding their way into our worship into our way of doing church business. Um, are we as pure as we ought to be? Or do we have to say, let's look at ourselves in the mirror, shall we say, of God's word, and how are we doing individually as, as churches of Christ in this world? Are we as pure still as, um, as, as, as we're called to be? Or do we have to say, we have our own images, we have our own Asherah poles, we have our own objects of idolatry, the things that we depend on. When we say we depend on God, but actually we depend on them, or those things, or those people. And so it is also a warning today. It is a blessing. Your Savior is coming. The ruler of the world, the King of Kings, is going to restore you in all perfection. And the world that is without end, kingdom without end, it is coming. He is coming. Rejoice. But when he comes, realize that he comes no longer as the babe in Bethlehem. He doesn't come to be crucified on a cross and to be nailed on that piece of wood that would be the propitiation for sin. That's done with. That's accomplished. When the king of kings comes, he's there to establish, to rule. The Greek word is archon, for ruler. And it is a word that, at its root from which we get words like archetype. Well, that's also a difficult word, but um, something that is archetypical means that it is something that is unique and it stands by its own self. It's a category of its own. And so when I say archetype, I would say the kingship of Jesus is archetypical. There's just nothing at all comparable to it. Everything else that is king-like or pretends to be king or queen of you know, dominions and so forth, uh, it doesn't compare. The kingship of Jesus stands all by itself. It is unique. It is permanent. It is eternal. And we await that king to come and to make all things right. 
And the nations need to be warned. Believers, people that we live with, amongst which we live and work and play, who don't know Jesus, tell them with love and kindness, of course, but tell people that there is an eternal future awaiting us, and it's either with Jesus or it is without Jesus. And when it's without Jesus, that is hell. Hell is where God is not, where we are not in fellowship with God. And there's another topic, the whole, the, the doctrine of hell can be talked about as an old topic by itself. But, but, but hell is, is the result of unbelief. Uh, hell is the result of, of, of having a proud, prideful heart that says, I don't know, I don't need you, Jesus. I don't need to be under your rule. I'm pretty uh, satisfied with where I am. Even in the midst of misery, we think we're better off than being under Jesus. And so let our hearts be burdened with the lost, the nations that are right around us. Lord, have mercy on the people that live in these places right around us, in our streets, where we work, where we study, where we do business. Lord, have mercy on the nations. But before you have mercy on the nations, or in order to have mercy on the nations, remove from us that which is not pleasing to you. Anything that is incongruous with the Word of God, not in alignment, in harmony with the Word of God, Lord, remove it from us. Anything that is idolatrous, anything that is not in agreement with your word, Lord, remove it from us so that we can be better conduits, better vessels of you in this world, so that the world, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, superintending, would see that the truth we speak is the truth that we live in humility, day by day, awaiting the Savior, the ruler of the world. The ruler of the world without end. Peace on earth. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the Lord Jesus. He is our peacemaker. He is our peace. We have peace, Lord, because we have peace with you through Jesus. Father, we wish for every person in this world from the very important world leaders down to ordinary folks like ourselves. Uh, Lord, every person would have peace with you because then we have the prospect of living as the nations of the world, as your remnant restored unto you uh, in the world without end, together with all those people who in this world loved your name. Heavenly Father, will you use us this week bring honor to you in that way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing, standing if you can, number 306. 306.